0: Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you and I praise you for the gift of our lives, the gift of our faith, the gift of our freedom, the freedom that you've given us in our country. And Lord, we do honor those in military service, those who have given the full measure of service by uh, sacrificing their very lives for us, for our freedom, for our country. Lord, I do pray for all of those that are in military the military now serving. I pray for their families, those who make sacrifices along with them, those that are are at distance, uh, a great distance from each other for uh, an extended period of time. Lord, please bless those families, bless those children, bless those marriages. Lord, I ask that you would give us as a country a greater sensitivity to the the wounds of war, to the uh, to the, scar, the scars, the mental and psychological and emotional scars, as well as the physical wounds, I pray, Lord, that you would bring a hand of healing, a hand of freedom, a hand of uh, relief to those that uh, struggle with PTSD and other, uh, other forms of psychological and, and mental wounding. Uh, that they carry with them lord i pray that we would as a country have a greater sense of gratitude and willingness to walk alongside and and support uh, the military uh, those in the military lord jesus and lord we do pray that you would be the prince of peace and that you'd end all war lord give us the grace to commit to uh, to to pursue the path of peace today to pursue the path of justice today. And Lord, as you would call us, as you have planted us and called us in this moment, give us also the grace to recognize the way that we are also drawn up into a battle, a spiritual battle, a battle for faith, a battle for uh, the honor of your holy name, uh, a battle for uh, the dignity of every human being. Lord, we do fall short, but we ask today for the courage to stand up, the courage to press forward. We do love you, Lord. We love you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you today. I've got a bunch of quotes, not from a saint, but from a president, Ronald Reagan, who had a number of really inspiring quotes connected to uh, military service, and I'm doing this really to honor uh, to honor the military, uh, the pe- people of faith who uh, have given of themselves in military service um, and have done so sacrificially. I, I honor my own dad, who um, fought in the Korean War, and uh, for him— um, he has always loved Memorial Day. Um, he's loved it because there's a way in which he's able to connect into the fact that the country honors and acknowledges military service, those who give of themselves and in a very special way, those who gave their lives for the, for the country, for our freedom, and that we ought not to forget them. Um, I remember Carrie and I were down at, uh, when we were living in Washington, D.C., the first several years of our married life, Uh, I still remember a time when we were down um, uh, on the mall, right, that long area that you have the Capitol at one end and the uh, Lincoln Memorial and then the White House and the Jefferson Memorial at sort of the four points of the compass and along that long mall. Um, you know, it's obviously a very, very popular area because of all the museums and all the important sites that are there for our country. And I remember on a Memorial Day, Carrie and I were down at the mall and it was, all the roads were empty. There were no cars. (laughs) Like, what is going on? This is really weird. Is the president coming? And we're thinking, no, that they don't do this when the president comes. They don't stop all cars from, from any of the roads Around the mall, and then all of a sudden we saw coming down the mall. We were down the uh, the Lincoln Memorial end. The uh, it comes this this long procession of uh, motorcycles, and sure enough, it was this procession of uh, uh, veterans um, riding uh, motorcycles around the mall, and it was so powerful, and it just. Got me to reflect on like what who's more important than the president you know to be able to stop all these cars from <laughs> driving around the mall and it's like, oh, these men and women who put their lives literally on the line so that the president and everyone else in America can experience the the gifts and the blessings of you know being born in America of living in America. I was talking with Kerry about this uh, one of the Great gifts that we um, love that our daughter Ariana received in going on this world race where she spent several months in Guatemala, several months in Romania, and several months in Swaziland. Uh, it just, uh, it's, a, it's a part of South Africa, and, it, uh, and she did not get to live in luxury. She did not get to live a comfortable life for the last nine months. And she didn't on behalf of the gospel of Jesus Christ, her faith in Christ, her sense of call to go forth on mission, her sense of striving to live for the Lord and to honor him and putting her life at his service meant sacrifice. And the the principal sacrifices were what? Comfort, ease, modern technology, stuff like that, things that were um were part and parcel of her day-to-day life, just being able to open the fridge and get what you want. No, you don't get to do that. (laughs) You know, have a bedroom that's really comfortable. No, you don't get a bedroom, not even just a shared bedroom with one other person. Yeah, that's not what you're going to get to do. Oh, what about laundry? Yeah, yeah, there's not a washing machine. (laughs) Showers? Yeah, there's a bucket right there in cold water, right? So the, and why are you doing all this? Oh you're doing all of this because of a mission because of a purpose that you have that is more important to you than your comfort and your ease. That wow that's a that's a really big lesson. That's an important lesson. And that's not a lesson that we should I don't know I guess presume that our kids are going to get in the western world in, in America. We shouldn't presu- we should presume the opposite. We should presume that most kids, even kids that are living in, let's say, economically challenged circumstances, have more technology, have greater access to comforts, and to stuff than uh, the great majority of people that have ever lived in human history. And how this is this is one of those uh, this is one of those things that. While it is a gift, it's also something that it's also something that uh can hold us back from really growing in holiness uh and Carrie now we were talking about this and uh just yeah, just yesterday uh and where the conversation went was it was kind of interesting. It was, you know, you and I grew up in a time that was relatively, let's say uncomplicated and pretty peaceful. In the United States itself, right. Well, while the U.S. did get involved in Gulf Wars in the uh, in the, in the early nineties, and then Afghanistan, right, and uh, Iraq, um, in, in the two thousands, right, and and but in in the United States, we've had a, a tremendous period of, of real peace, of course. 9/11, right? 9/11, 2001. That's that. That would be an exception, right? When when that terrorist attack happened, but for the most part, if you if you begin in the you know 70s and 80s and 90s and and then the 2000s and 2000s and tens, we've lived our lives, our, our our lives that from childhood to adult in relative comfort, in relative peacefulness in our neighborhoods, in our communities. And the reason why we were talking about this is it, it's going to connect to the program here. The first is, do we think that our kids are going to have the same span of 40 years that will be as peaceful and uh, basically uh, as civil and, and uh, uh, something that will be as enjoyable as the, the, the lives that we've gotten to live. And Carrie's comment was, no, and thank God. <laughs> no, and thank God. Well, and the no I get, because I agreed with that, I, th- I don't think that your kids, your grandkids, you, if you've got kids that are teenagers now, in their early 20s, ki- and kids younger than that, they will face a more complicated, difficult, and anti-Christian world than we've known in the last 40 or 50 years. They're already experiencing it in a way that is not quite so overt and direct, but it's getting there fast. And what implications that will have, I think, are going to spin up quite quickly, maybe quicker than we want or imagine. Just just hear it peacefully here. Hear it pon- and ponder it that the kind of world that we've been permitted to enjoy over the last 40 or 50 years is principally one marked by Christendom. It's marked by the idea that a Christian worldview, and, and even a worldview that a, a a view of the human being— that is connected to Christianity, that Christian, a Christian view of the human being, a Judeo-Christian view of the human being, that we have this dignity, we're created male and female, that we're meant for community, and that there's a sense of solidarity and compassion, and we care for the poor, and we ought to strive for justice in our relations together. These are things that had... Uh, typical agreement that common sense was accepted and even expected. And uh, and those who would speak crazy, weird thoughts that were way out in left field were not given the time of day. It just, it didn't make sense and move on. And now we have the craziest things showing up and having uh you know major, important organizations just fall down and, and, and kowtow to uh to to craziness, to, to demonic, terrible, horrific stuff. And that's what our kids are facing now. Unlike unlike anything that we've known. And so on this Feast of St. Joan of Arc, where a teenager stepped up and said, let's fight, let's go. I'm not afraid. The Lord has spoken to me. St. Michael, St. Margaret, St. Catherine, let's go, push forward. Day after Memorial Day, it's a fitting time for us to reflect that the time in which we live is hard, but it's going to get harder. The time in which we live is remnants of our Catholic and Christian faith are still present and active in people and in our our nation. But the demonic weirdness that is anti-Catholic is coming full force. It's coming full force, and it's using levers of power. It's using social media, mainstream media. It's using uh, laws and policies in states. It's using corporate policies And there is an agenda out there to undermine and overthrow a Catholic Christian view of the world, of God, of life, and of human life, of relationships, of marriage, of family, of the beginning of life, and of the end of life. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war for the hearts and minds, for the lives, for the souls of the children, innocent children that happen to be born in this time of families and of our nation and beyond that to the world. And you know what? We're not living in the same time that we've just come through in the last 40 years. No, we're not. And thank God for it. So back in a minute, we'll continue on so that we can learn how to play our part in fighting the good fight. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you all. All right. So, uh, my daughter Ariana's back. Uh, she's back from her world race. She'll be on soon to have a chance to tell you about the blessing of spending a year on mission like that. And so, we have eight of our nine kids back in our home. It's really a very interesting thing because our oldest is 23. She's home. And then our 20 year old is home. And then our daughter Ariana is 18, soon to be 19. And then a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, and 14-year-old. So I've got five teenagers in the house <laughs> as we speak. Yeah, God bless me. You can, you can pray for me. And um, anyways, we continue on from there. But it, we, we've moved the TV out of the house. It's out in the garage so that we have more time to just be together as a family, to play games together. There's a fun game. It's called Chameleon. Recommended. Chameleon. It's a fun game. Uh, that kids can play, Uh, our 10-year-old plays, our 23-year-old plays, everyone in between, adults we play, it's a fun, simple game. If you have good, uh, if you have board games that you like, or uh, we were talking about it today, uh, yesterday at a uh, Memorial Day party, it's kind of a cookout, Uh, games with dice, games with cards, and then these are a different kind of word game, board game type settings. So if you have one that you enjoy, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me, tell me about your favorite board game or family game, just to get, get everyone together. Uh, tom at MyCatholicFaith.org. You can email me. Or if you get something you want to say about the program. Hey, I always love feedback. Um, I don't always love the feedback I get, but I do love feedback. I love to know what we're doing well and what we can do better so that you can truly gain a sense of insight into your life of faith so that you can take the action that God is calling you to take. This is one of those days where the theme of the day seems to just serve itself up. St. Joan of Arc, as you know, she was burned at the stake, not by infidels, but not by um, not by uh, uh, people who were... Uh, Uh, atheists or uh, these uh, Catholic haters. No, she was burned at the stake, uh, condemned by members of the church. And uh, it's just sort of the famous uh, um, interaction, uh, questioning that these learned cardinals and theologians uh, had to try to trip her up so that they could condemn her in the end, they had to condemn her for wearing men's clothing um, when she went into battle. But the you know the reality is that uh, sometimes the very worst enemy that is going to undermine the strength that we are called to undertake, sadly, comes from the church and even from leaders in the church. So we have to be praying and even fasting for our bishops, for our priests, so that they would not fall into the spirit of of critiquing and persecuting the saints of our time, but they would become the saints of our time. They would be the ones who would be willing to stand up and lead us in this spiritual battle. Uh, I Speaking of Saint Joan of Arc, uh, my family went to Saint Joan of Arc. That's the traditional Latin Mass parish in Post Falls, and it was just so beautiful. Uh, again, you, you've heard me say, uh, I it's it's very encouraging and inspiring, right? We went to an eight forty five in the morning Mass, and it was packed. I mean, it was full. They have an overflow room, and you know, eight forty five Mass, full to overflowing, right? And we had to get there. We got there about 25 minutes early uh, to get a seat at Mass. And so that several of my family could go to confession before Mass. And you know what? They didn't even get to go. Even though they got there 25 minutes before Mass, they didn't get to go because the line to go to confession was too long, even with two priests. So they weren't able to, several of my family were not able to go to confession. What a nice problem to have. Huh? But a problem. <laughs> uh, so they're going to go to confession tonight. Anyways, the uh it, what was what was so beautiful was that I knew I was in a church that was filled with Catholics who uh, almost without exception unflinchingly follow and believe the fullness of the church's teaching. In matters of faith and morals, in matters of faith and marriage, and the beginning of life, at the end of life, and and the call to grow in holiness and to fulfill a God given mission in this world, it's just statistically, survey wise, true that the those who you don't stumble into a traditional Latin Mass, you choose it, and it's a commitment. It takes an effort. It's a in Carrie's words, it's a heavy lift. It's a heavy lift. To make it to the traditional Latin Mass. It's a commitment to get there and to be there and to pray the Mass well, but it's so encouraging. It's so uplifting to uh to be able to say, I you know what, I, I want to up my game. I, I want to be reverent, I want to be prayerful, and um I want to I want to live in that spirit of St. Joan of Arc. I, I don't want to be afraid of fighting the spiritual battle. But what do we need? We need that support and encouragement and accountability. All three of those. Support when we're struggling, encouragement as we're progressing, and accountability to keep pushing forward to not settle for less. We need all of those coming from our spiritual leaders, and we need all of those to fulfill the call that comes from God. So, St. Joan of Arc, pray for us today. Pray for us that we would um, live that, uh, live that faith in, in recognizing the spiritual battle. Okay, uh, I do want to uh, draw on some quotes from President Ronald Reagan because he was the president when I was growing up. Right, that first president that I probably really remember in terms of like taking into account the words he's saying and and all of that. But it also came because it was at that time where the threat of the Soviet Union and this threat of nuclear war and nuclear destruction was um, at, at, a, at, at its height. It really was in the 80s. It was at its height. And, uh, and so I grew up in that time where even though we had this sense of kind of a peaceful life lived in our community, there was this sense of impending doom and threat that would come from the enemy that was on the outside, the, uh, the, the Soviet threat, the threat of communism. And, and so Ronald Reagan has a number of quotes that circle around some of these themes that I want to apply to our spiritual battle today. Okay, So in, in honor of Memorial Day, in the honor of our military, uh, in honor of St. Joan of Arc, I'm going to call on some quotes connected to Ronald, uh, said by Ronald Reagan, but connected to the, the discernment that we can have about our own uh, call to spiritual battle, call to spiritual arms to fight this good fight of faith. First one's kind of funny. First one is, the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> that is so good it's a nice joke. Uh, I am from the government and I'm here to help and you know what in in the best of situations it's true. it is true. The government is uh, in, intended to be of service to us uh, in order to provide that sense of of uh, covering over our lives so that we can be a uh, a, a civil community um, but Let's just say that we've got to work harder to get more good people to commit to service in uh, government affairs, in politics. And we, um, in the name of busyness, give ourselves too easy an excuse to not be engaged. And if we continue to have that be the case, we might find ourselves... In circumstances where the laws and policies of our state, our local community, or the the national government are a blasphemy and a tragedy and uh, a travesty, and so when we see things like Roe v.ersus Wade and and so many other things that I talk about regularly on the program, thanks be to God that you know Roe v.ersus Wade was overturned this past year, and praise God for that. Well, we need to continue to press forward to Um, live our faith in the public arena. Live our faith in the political arena. Live our faith in corporate America. But it's going to get harder. Uh, Second quote. This is one of the more, I think, famous quotes that uh, President Ronald Reagan said connected to uh, military service. He said, some people wonder all their lives if they've made a difference. The Marines don't have that problem. Some people wonder all their lives if they've made a difference. The Marines don't have that problem. I like that quote because it gets at something that is fundamental for the human person. And that's that sense of the ache in the heart. And that ache in the heart is, first of all, an ache to know our own deepest identity. And that comes from our relationship with God, nothing else. But then there's also that dynamic... Thrust outwards into the world where we want to do something meaningful, noble, worthy. If we're going to spend our lives, we want to spend our lives on something worth giving our lives for. And so that sense of purpose and mission, um, Ronald Reagan, you know, in in hearing those words, the Marines must have just like felt this like beautiful sense of like authentic pride in their sense of yeah, hoorah, right, um, that they're making a difference, right, they're, you know, put me on, on the ground first, I'm willing to fight the good fight, and so that's something that I would want for us, right, that, that's the kind of, that's the kind of motto that I would want to have um, marking our lives, some people wonder all their lives if they've made a difference, you know, Catholics don't have that problem, right, Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus Christ who are living their lives to become the saint, fulfilling the God-given mission that is theirs, you won't have that problem. You won't have that problem. Okay, Um, a few other quotes. Veterans know better than anyone else the price of freedom, for they have suffered the scars of war. We can offer them no better tribute than to protect what they have won for us. Veterans know better than anyone else the price of freedom, for they've suffered the scars of war. We can offer them no better tribute than to protect what they have won for us. I, I think that is so relevant. I mean, first of all, it's very powerful and true all by itself when it comes to veterans. And I can say this about my dad. So, my dad knows better than anyone else the price of freedom, for he has suffered the scars of war. He suffers. With PTSD, right, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder, and um, he he has ongoing. If so, he he was when he went to war. He was 18. So literally, his whole life, he's lived the remainder of his life, the last 72 years. He's lived with a serious form of PTSD. That the entirety of him being my dad i've known him as a father who has ptsd and um and, and it has impacts that was the price those were the, some of the scars and some other of the like physical limitations that have impacted him, his hearing, his sight, some other factors that are traced back to his military service um it's It's like wow, the cost of war what did it cost and yet, if you ask him, you know what what were you thinking when you signed up for military to when you signed up when you volunteered to um to for the to, to go to the Korean War, um, to finish high school early, to be able to uh, go fight in Korea. And he never would ever have said, that was the biggest mistake of my life. I regret that. I've never heard him say that. Ever. Ever. I hear him talk with great pride uh, and dignity, this sense of putting his life at the service of his country. Um and so to think that we can just benefit from that but not say what, what he fought for with so many others that we just take that for granted and just enjoy it without battling to maintain it and hand it on, that would be a travesty. That would be a failure of our duty, the failure of our stewardship uh, i I was talking to some folks who uh were saying that there's a kind of a truism among the extremely wealthy when it comes to their family's wealth, and they said that you know the first generation earns it, the second generation enjoys it, and the third generation wastes it or loses it that that's that's the cycle. The first generation, they make all the sacrifices, pour in all the efforts, give their entire lives over in order to have this inheritance to hand on. It's the next generation that did not have to undergo all of those sacrifices and and generous uh, endurance of of difficulties to be able to earn the the wealth. They just get to enjoy it. But then they hand it on to their kids who only grew up enjoying the wealth, and they are disconnected from all the effort that went into uh, gaining it. And so they end up losing it or wasting it. We'll talk about that in a minute on Sound Insight when it comes to faith. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. Lose it, not lose it or use it. <laughs> Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. Uh, I was just using the example of the extremely wealthy, that that truism of one generation gains it, the next generation enjoys it, the next generation wastes it or loses it. Uh, I think we live in a time where if we're not careful, we're going to lose our faith. If we actually take a close look at the demographics, we've already we're fully engaged in that generation of those who have lost their faith that there are sacrifices the sacrifices of so many to gain the faith to build a culture in which christianity had a voice and a seat at the table in which the church was influential in society and we enjoyed it i'm part of the i'm part of the generation that enjoyed it I'm um, part of the generation that enjoyed the good things in our uh, wider society, wider culture, because there still was a significant presence of of Christian faith. But now we're now we're in the next generation, the generation of of losing, of throwing away, of wasting that faith. And so, not not to be not to be um, you know dour or downcast when it comes to. Uh, you know, making predictions, but if we we could just talk about demographic trends, there's the, just the terrible losses to the numbers of Catholics who have become inactive, who have walked away from the faith, who have uh, rejected the faith, who no longer identify with the faith, who are done with the faith, who have none faith. And then the latest there was a a survey that came out recently i I don't have the i don't remember the the source of it, but it was how many of you believe in god and or how many of you are certain or have an extreme sense of confidence in the existence of God and it was like fifty percent, which was just crazy right that uh oh no wait a minute it wasn't even was it 50% it was 50% um that said they believed in god and the idea of there being an atheist a generation ago someone who said yeah i don't believe in god it was just not in the air it just wasn't it was like oh we got to pray for that guy he's obviously he's not he's not living with his eyes wide open and um, he's obviously not a person of prayer because, boy, you just obviously would be a, a person of, of of belief because that's that's just what that's just who we are as a people. So the, this is this is the new world that we're living in, and so we don't want to be part of a, a generation that takes for granted the heavy labors and the efforts of the generation that's before us. We have to recognize that we're in a battle and we've got to take more serious uh, efforts to save our nation. Um, A couple other quotes from Ronald Reagan A nation's greatness is measured not just by its gross national product or military power, but by the strength of its devotion to the principles and values that bind its people and define their character. A nation's greatness is measured not just by its gross national product or military power, but by the strength of its devotion to the principles and values that bind its people and define their character. Well, God bless us if we can even identify what the principles and values are that bind together us American people and define our character. Can we, can we name one? Can we name one principle or value that binds together all Americans? I don't know. Is it dignity that every human being has dignity? Is it love? And as soon as I throw out any word, if you're at all paying attention to the world in which we're living in, you're going to be saying, yeah, it just depends on how you define it. It just depends on how are you defining that versus someone else. So, what is the principle? What is the value? Is, is the principle uh, toleration? Is the principle uh, respect? Is the principle dialogue? Is the principle or value? Is the value, um, I don't know, l- life? I, I don't know if we have that sense of a common set of principles and values that bind together we, the people of the United States. Uh, I, I watched a, a short video that came out. There was um, some people peacefully protesting, and their protest was something. It was they were holding us. They were holding a, like a banner um, in a public area at an event. It was at a um, athletic event, like a, a track and field event. Uh, I believe it was in California. And uh, they were basically saying, um, protect our girls, protect our girls. Our girls have the right to be able to compete against other girls. And the vitriol, the uh, cussing, the truck mouth quality that were intense, intensely coming at these middle-aged folks who were not on um, like uh, megaphones and they were not uh, chanting anything. They were just standing there holding their banner, just saying, protect our daughters. Our daughters ought to be protected and their rights ought to be respected. Some simple message like that. And there were all of this uh F word, F bombs just being dropped by these women coming at them. Uh and it was it's like, oh, wow, that's that's where we're at. Uh you know, and, and here's the thing, they they wouldn't have experienced that if they had done what? If they'd just gone to the event. All they had done is just gone to the event and just peacefully said, I'm gonna enjoy the event which, you, know, to the extent that I can, I'm gonna watch my daughter or my niece or you know cousin or whatever. and, and just well, let me just kind of keep to myself. But the fact that they just stood up and said, let's just make a banner and let's just send this message out quietly. If you disagree with it, just walk by it. No, 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 no. You're not permitted to disagree. You are not allowed to take a stand. That says our girls ought to be protected. Who's against that? Who can be against our girls being protected, our girls being defended, our girls being kept safe, our girls being allowed to participate against other girls? Who can be against that? Well, let me tell you, there are a lot of stores out there. There are a lot of corporations out there. There are a lot of people out there who are going to become increasingly intense, pervasive, on the offense, on the, on the offense, coming against you, if you stand up and just show up, just show up as here's what we stand for. Here's what we believe in. And are we ready for that or are we soft? Are we going to be capable of that or are we going to cower? Are we willing to take the initiative to do something like that and face the persecution, face the loss of reputation, face the scowls? the vitriol of those who are going to present a demonic position it's demonic this transgender ideology and the use of hormones and 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 eviscerating surgeries on teens without parental involvement or permission uh, these trends that are just moving kids away from the peaceful blossoming of their own sense of sexual identity as the God-given reality of male and female, this is terrible. It is dark and evil. The effects are starting to show up and become brought into the public eye despite the mainstream media, despite social media platforms. The word is getting out. But now we need courageous St. Jones of Arc to stand up. Back in a minute. Hyder Construction is today's sponsor of Sound Insight on Sacred Heart Radio. Hyder Construction is a family-run business owned and operated by Ron Hyder. For over 25 years, Ron and his team have served their neighbors with roof replacement, remodeling, and more, including many of the churches, schools, and parish centers in the Archdiocese of Seattle. Hyder Construction can be reached at 425-771-3515 or visit haiderconstruction.com to learn more. Thank you, Hyder Construction. Thank you, Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services, for being a Sacred Heart Radio sponsor. As a ministry within the Diocese of Spokane, Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services offers three cemeteries. Holy Cross on the North Side, St. Joseph's in the Valley, and Queen of Peace on the South Hill. All with several options to meet the needs of your loved ones. Consider pre planning for your family now or simply know you can count on Holy Cross funeral and cemetery services when you need them. Visit HolyCrossOfSpokane.org. Welcome back to Sun and This is Tom Curran. Today, reflecting on the, just the spirit of the weekend. Uh, today's the Feast of St. Joan of Arc. Yesterday was Memorial Day. And so it's a natural time to focus on the concept of military. Uh, service. And again, to express our gratitude for those that have given their lives the full measure of their service in, in giving their lives uh, for the sake of us, people that they don't know, but just for our country. Uh, and they did so willingly uh, with a duty that is so admirable and not to be honored and never forgotten. And those that Carry the scars of their military service ought to be attended to and cared for and acknowledged by us in a better way than we have. It's just so easy for us to benefit from what they have given to us and what they continue to provide for us without then returning any kind of sense of how, how can I be grateful and generous in return? Now that's a that's a brokenness. That is something broken uh, in our society if we if we let that continue. Um. So let, let me go back to uh, Ronald Reagan. I'm using him as kind of a little bridge between uh, him, a president, a Christian man of God, right? A Christian man who raised to that role as, as president um, was not afraid to bring in elements of faith and God uh, in his time as president um, and even before then, um, but then also it's the feast of Saint Joan of Arc, and so I I want to draw out ways that we can more directly connect this to our our own battle today. Uh, here's um, I, I'll start with uh, one that goes back you know 18 years before he was or 16 years before he was elected president. He said, "We are at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long." climb from the swamp to the stars. And it has been said, if we lose that war, and in so doing, lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Okay, he was saying that in 1964 in his famous proclamation uh, or statement, uh, The Choosing, But I want you to hear this in 2023 that we as Catholics are the ones being addressed. And the war that we're fighting is against the demonic transgender ideology in its multi headed form. We, Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus Christ, are at war with the most dangerous and demonic enemy that has ever faced mankind. In his long swamp, well, long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's this transgender ideology. And it has been said if we lose that war, and in so doing, lose this freedom of ours, and oh, brothers and sisters, of our children and grandchildren, and, and the children and grandchildren that are in this world, but not part of our families, history will record with the greatest astonishment that we Catholics and Christians and Americans who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. That's on us. That is on us. And you might say, okay, Tom, what do I do? What do I do? Stop talking to me about what, the fact that we're in a battle and we have to do something. What am I supposed to do? Fast today. Fast. Give something up. Do something difficult that has nothing to do with what you want, nothing to do with what is easy for you, nothing to do with what is pleasant for you. You are going to do something pleasant. Don't do it. You're going to have a dessert today. Give it up. You are going to uh, watch your favorite show today. Go pray instead. You are going to pray today for a half an hour. Pray for an hour. You are going to uh, sit in your comfortable chair. Don't. Sit in a chair that's not as comfortable. Now, if you've got physical limitations, don't hurt yourself, please. Please, do not hurt yourself. I don't want you to do anything that is going to put your physical health or even your your emotional and spiritual well-being in danger. I am saying to you, if you're asking me, if you're asking me, if you're wondering, what can I do concretely, specifically today? You can, in fact, pray and say, Lord, the month of June is coming up. And you know what the month of June is dedicated to, right? The month of June is dedicated to the most sacred heart of Jesus, the most sacred heart of Jesus. One of the things Mary Grace, my oldest daughter, did, she ordered a t-shirt on um, taking back the month of June, taking it back so that it is once again proclaimed as a month dedicated to the most sacred heart of Jesus rather than to Pride Month. Because this is going to be a very interesting June, brothers and sisters, very interesting June. And it's going to be there are going to be more signs, symbols, showings, manifestations, proclamations, public uh, displays that are going to, um, that are going to present a demonic blasphemy, a demonic blasphemy that denies and under, undermines the reality that God made us male and female. This is true and good and beautiful that God made every single human being, male, or female. That's it. Not fluid genders on this. The, these, these psychological models and these theories that uh, are have that have been shown through these various clinical uh, uh, trials and 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 other examinations to show the, the dangers of implementing so many of these um, models of relating to, to young people today that we are called upon to stand up for a truth that will set people free and to do so with courage. Now, okay, so beyond praying, just be open to take a stand. Well, I believe God made us male and female. I believe God made us male and female. Well, that's well you leave your belief to yourself. What about you? I, well, no, we we have to bring all of our beliefs into the public square. And you could say I I don't think it's just it's not just rooted in in faith, it's also rooted in good science. It's rooted in good psychological practice. It's it's rooted in good mental health. Look at the studies. Look at the studies. Look at the studies. Look at the danger. Look at the damage. Look at the impacts. The, the studies will show this again and again. Authentic studies, true studies. F- look at what the, the, the pediatricians are finally saying. These are things that we have to become armed with uh, with the facts. We have to be able to uh, realize what they're using against us and and presenting false statistics, false information, throwaway lines that will attempt to browbeat you into submission. And sadly, in the spirit of St. Joan of Arc, watch out most of all for the clever demonic six-will-get-you-seven approaches that attempt to present the Catholic Church's teaching as in some clever alignment with LGBTQ transgender ideological theories as somehow aligned with the Catholic faith this is a demonic lie. You have to be ready to fight against it, to stand up and battle against it. That's what I'm committed to do. And I'll have on guests in the month of June to expose more of this, to bring this out into the open in a way that's rooted in good medical practice, good psychological practice, and to bring out into the open studies that show the horrific impacts that are connected to these surgeries and uh, uh, hormone treatments that are having lifelong damaging impacts on people's lives. Someone has to do this. Someone has to stand up, speak out, and push back to save kids from this travesty, this pollution, this demonic presentation of, of sexually inappropriate and twisted ideas that run completely counter to Catholic and Christian and Judeo-Christian and really almost any faith-filled approach to understanding what it means to be a human being uh, that has any sense of connection to our tradition at all. So we, this is why we're in a battle. This is why we're in a battle. Uh, The struggle now, this is the last quote, from Ronald Reagan the struggle now going on for the world will never be decided by bombs or rockets by armies or military might the real crisis we face today is a spiritual one at root it is a test of moral will and faith the struggle now going on for the world will never be decided by bombs or rockets by armies or military might the real crisis we face today is a spiritual one at root it is a test of moral will and faith. Wow. There's Ronald Reagan. That was powerful. Wouldn't you love to hear that from a president today? Uh, just all the great, greater need we have to pray for our political leaders, our presidents, our senators, our uh, members of the House of Representatives, state level, national level, or at the federal level, uh, for our judges, for political leaders. God bless us. For such a time as this, we've been planted here. St. Joan of Arc, pray for us. All right. Thanks so much for being with me today on Sound Insight. God bless you all. Join me tomorrow.